Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's message. If you don't know, we upload a brand new message every week. So make sure to go ahead and smash that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the new content here at Destiny Church. Before we jump into today's message, I've got to let you know that coming up on September 27th is Welcome Home Sunday. You're like, what in the world is that? It is the most important Sunday here at Destiny Church because that's the time when we shift our attention from those that call Destiny home to those who may not have found a relationship with God or found a community of faith to call home. There's going to be special elements, an experience for your kids, a message is going to be powerful, lives are going to be transformed. Here's the thing, you have friends or family or maybe it's even you that have not found a community of faith that's encouraging you, that's inspiring you and motivating you to be all that God has called you to become. The Bible says this life was never meant to be lived alone. You need family. So here's what I'm asking. If you're watching online, consider hosting a watch party. Gather those family, those friends, those, those people in your circle and say, hey, let's watch this together and watch God bring you together like never before. If you're in the Maryland area, pick a campus, pick a service, grab some tickets, grab your friends. I'm telling you, your life will forever be transformed. September 27th, welcome home Sunday. I'm pumped. Hey, let's jump into this message. Prepare your hearts, prepare your minds. Let's do it. Let's do this. 2 Samuel chapter 17, and it says this. I was telling the worship team, I'll give $20 to anybody who can read the second word of this verse. <laughs> you laughing, but I got to read it. Moreover, Ahithophel. Y'all don't understand. All week long, Ahithophel, Ahithophel. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak, remember that, and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike only the king then I will bring back all the people to you. Then all return, when all return except the man whom you seek, all the people will be at peace. And the same please Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Father God, we declare you deserve it. You deserve our praise, our adoration, our attention, our focus, our worship. And in this moment, God, we give it all to you. You said that as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that you'll just add everything else onto us. So we put our hope, we put our faith in you. Speak to us in this moment, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody say amen. Come on online, somebody type amen, amen. Be more amen. God has a word today. We're in week two of our series called Fight or Flight. Somebody say fight or flight. I almost missed up the flight one. You got to know, what, what, what's the little poker term? You got to know when to hold them. <laughs> got to know when to fold them. You, you, you need to know when it's time to step up and to fight for what's yours. And, and then you need to know sometimes that this is just not a fight to be fought and you need to go on about your ways. Not everything is worth fighting. And we'll talk about that over the next few weeks. But here's my heart or my mindset behind this series. I'm inspired by God to motivate people back into an offensive position. I feel there's something about this pandemic, this stay-at-home order, all this other kind of stuff that literally just has people in a mindset of, I'm just trying to survive 2020. If I could live through 2020 and just make it through and all my loved ones made it through, I think that this was a successful year. But hear me, now's not the time to sit back to, to, to just go into survival mode. Now is the time when the greatest victories are taking place. You know, on the news, you'll hear people say, oh, the economy is struggling and things are rough and all that other good stuff. And in the meantime, Apple just doubled its value. And anybody who had Apple stock, may the favor of the Lord be upon you. If you were smart enough to invest in Zoom over the last four months, you just cashed in. The, the hospitality industry is struggling right now, Marriott and Hilton and all that other good stuff. But hear me, that's bouncing back. There are people that are on the offensive in the middle of what everybody is saying. It's time to build a bunker. 
if in the natural, how much more in the kingdom of God. I believe we're in the season of breakthrough. I believe we're in the season of miracles. I believe God is looking for people that are extending their faith, saying, I'm not throwing in the towel in this season. I'm still believing God for great things. Hear me. If you, this is the season to ask for things that you wouldn't normally ask for. Come on, college student. You need to ask for that internship that doesn't even exist. But listen to me, they're in a season of breakthrough and God will make it exist for you in this season. Come on, business owner, you need to begin to push the envelope and actually let's do this contract, let's expand this territory. Do you understand that when all the plagues were going on in Egypt that Israel was still blessed? That God was still blessing the people of God in the midst of a plague? Don't fall into the trap of thinking you're like the world because you are not. You are covered by Almighty God. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is your strong tower. And today is the day of victory. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 says this, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Now is the time to be confident, not timid, not fearful, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Hear me. The promises of God are not predicated on a pandemic. The promises of God are not predicated on things looking the way you want them to look. Matter of fact, the worse they look, chances are the better he's up to something for your good. And I just need to let you know, Destiny Church is not getting on the defensive. We have our Vision Sunday coming up in about four weeks, and I'm telling you, we have some exciting things to reveal to you because the kingdom of God is moving forward, and God has great things in store for you. Amen? Today, I want to preach a message called Know Your Enemy. Know Your Enemy. So just picture this. Have you ever seen a, a fight? And it works in different scenarios, but maybe a boxing match or a UFC fight or whatever it may be. And they have one boxer comes out and they announce his name and the music starts going and the lights and the smoke. And he comes out and he has his satin robe on and he's punching the air and his team got all his, his bells. And he's the champ. He's going to knock your guy out and all this other kind of stuff. And he goes in his ring. And, and, and usually the first person to come out is what they call the challenger. The challenger is the one that asked for the fight. He's usually the one that doesn't have any belts, and he's trying to take the belts from the champion. And then after the challenger gets in the ring, the, the room goes dark, it's home field advantage, the, the subs start shaking, the crowd roars, and, and out comes the champion. Could you imagine if in that fight, the challenger's in the corner waiting for the champion to come out, and when the champion comes out, they're surprised by who they're fighting? Could you imagine if the challenger was like, no, I thought I was fighting the other guy. Where did this guy come from? It never happens. Here's why. Because you don't start a fight until you know who you're fighting. And half of the preparation period up to a fight is not just getting in a conditioning and in battle form, but it's actually watching video of your adversary, watching if they're a southpaw, when do they throw that hook or that jab or whatever it may be. You spend as much time studying your enemy as you spend studying yourself. There's this book, it's not the Bible, and this is not Revelation. Let me preface it by saying that. But there is a book called The Art of War. Have you heard that before? It's a book on, on military and war tactics. And here's a quote from that book. It says this, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Right? So, hey, if you know yourself, you know your enemy, you'll never lose. If you know yourself, but you don't know your enemy, you'll have some victories, but it'll cost you. I don't know why when I read that, the thought that came to my mind are those families that you build great wealth, but you lose your children. 
because you didn't know the tactic of your enemy that while you were out there building that business and building that wealth, the enemy was sneaking in the back door and wreaking havoc in your very home. You got to know yourself and you also need to know the enemy that you face. I, I, I would be what they call a lover, not a fighter. I, uh, I haven't been in too many fights in my life, and maybe because of my weight, maybe because I'm a calculated guy, and I just figured out this one ain't one to win, so we're going to talk this one through. I've actually only been in three fights in my entire life, and only one of those fights, a punch was actually thrown. So you could probably say I've only been in one fight in my life. The one fight that I was in was in the Christmas musical at my dad's church in 1994, and my adversary, the challenger, was Joshua Green. Joshua, if you're watching this, God bless you. Joshua was 14. He was six feet tall. The dude had some stank in his breath. He didn't even have to hit you. Just, whoo. I was 12 years old, and I was not six feet tall. I was about five foot one, and he, was, he just didn't like me, and and I didn't like him either, to be honest. By the way, it's really hard being a pastor when your father uh, is a member of your church. Hey, Dad, um, it's probably a good time to tell you, yeah, I did lie. Um, so what happened was I, I told my dad he just hit me out of nowhere. I don't know what happened. He, he just punched me and... <laughs> It's not the truth, Dad. I'm sorry. It's been 20 years. It's probably a good time to come clean. Um, What happened was they had sent us to go get the box of costumes, Christmas costumes for the Christmas musical at church. And and I went to get the box, and he said something smart to me. I can't remember what he said, but he said something ignorant. So I took the box, and I shoved it in his stomach. Now, what happened next is still a little fuzzy. They tell me that he punched me. I don't quite remember, but based on the black eye that I had for the next few weeks, I'm going to go with their version of this story. I'm pretty sure he socked me. Here's the problem. When I shoved the box in his... I'm sorry, Dad. Please forgive me. By the way, my best friend Joel, who was there, you're a real one. 20 years, you never snitch. (laughs) When I shoved the box into his stomach, I didn't really know how (laughs) cray-cray... my adversary was. I didn't know he was just going. And it cost me because I didn't know my enemy. Some of you are taking shots in the Christmas musical of your life because you don't know your enemy. You're moving forward. You're, you're, you're taking territory. You're building the kingdom of God. And, and here's what you don't understand, that the more you build the kingdom of God, the more you push back the kingdom of darkness. You think you're just telling people about Jesus, inviting people to your connect group, sharing the link for others to watch this service. You don't understand that every link that you share, you are pushing back spirits of depression and discouragement and suicide. You are taking territory from the enemy. And then you're shocked when the enemy comes with that haymaker. So today, I'm not going to glorify the enemy. Actually, you're going to find out he's defeated from point one to point three. But it's important that you understand who your adversary is. If you're taking notes, can you write this down? The, The first thought is this, and this is probably the biggest thought of the whole message. People are not your enemy. Let's start with this. Someone who is breathing oxygen is not your enemy. In this passage that we were reading, we come to Ahithophel. He was the advisor to Absalom. And they were coming up with a strategy of how they were going to overtake David. Now, now, depending on your Bible literacy, if you know Scripture well, you're going to say, hold on, I don't remember Absalom being a king. I'm confused. Well, here's what happened. David was the king. And without even realizing it, there was a, a, a coup that was going on in David's kingdom. And, and somebody rose up. His name was Absalom, and he got control of the army, and he drove King David out of his own kingdom. And it turned into a civil war for a season. Now, here's the problem. A lot of the army was still loyal to David. So when David ran from the throne and out into the woods, a lot of the army went with him. 
And they said, we can take this kid, Absalom. He's, he's young. He's green. He's never been to battle. He, he doesn't know how to fight David. We can take him out. And David said, no, 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 no. I believe there was two reasons why David said, said no. The first reason was Absalom was his son. Come on now. It's one thing if the person that's attacking you is a boss, a coworker that you don't care about from, I mean, I love you in the love of the Lord. I just don't care about you. But I mean, just some random person, your neighbor who keeps letting their little mutt poop on your grass or whatever, maybe. It's fine. But it's something different when it's someone who's close to you. Someone who's supposed to have your back. Someone who may even have your same last name. And here's what David understood. This attack is coming through Absalom, but it's not Absalom. Yes, there is a face and a person and a DNA that is the face of this attack, but that's not the real problem. That's not the real enemy. In Romans chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit realm. Could it get any more clear? You are not dealing with people. You're dealing with demons. Now, I get that that's maybe a little spiritual, Pastor. I ain't come to church to hear about demons. I can't hear about how my haters are going to be my elevators, and I'm going to a new level in the Lord. How my haters are going to just be reading about all the good. No, 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 no. Hear me. Behind your haters are the enemy. And here's the plan of the enemy. The Bible says that the enemy loves masquerade balls. You ever seen those masquerade balls where, where they'll get up in suits, tuxedos, and evening gowns and all that, and they'll have the, the, the things over their face, a covering, a mask, and it's all, you know, flowers and all this other kind of stuff, but the whole point is to hide their identity. Yeah. The Bible says the enemy, he masquerades like an angel, that, that he hides behind people. And listen, if you're going to attack somebody, the best way to do it is without them knowing and without them seeing it coming. And the enemy's goal is that you're angry at your mother-in-law <laughs> or your business partner that split the company or this person or that person or whatever it may be or the president or this Congress person or whoever it may be. Whole time the enemy is behind the scenes cracking up laughing because you're attacking something or someone that is not the enemy at all. It's simply a puppet. Now hear me, I'm not saying that you 100% let people off the hook. You're abusing me, you're taking advantage of me of all this other kind of stuff, but it's not you, it's the enemy. I, I heard this story one time of this husband and this wife. They were in an argument. They were just kind of in a rough season in their marriage, and they argued often, and, and the wife went to church, and, and she heard a message similar to this. He said, you know, people are not your enemy. Your husband's not your enemy. It's, it's the devil that's manipulating them. So, so the next time she got in an argument, she looks at her husband, and she goes, Satan? Is that you in there? Don't do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that, that, that people are off the hook. Matter of fact, can I give you a tough truth? You've been used by the enemy to attack other people at times. In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says this. And Jesus said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. What was I saying? Hey, you're going to be attacked. You're going to have opportunities of offense. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. Just don't be the person that's the enemy's puppet. Don't be that person that, that, that the enemy is able to use. And can, can I teach you how to be usable by the enemy? No, pastor, I don't want to learn that. Well, I'm going to teach you anyway. Just harbor bitterness in your heart. There's nothing like a bitter heart that the enemy can use to manipulate and to attack other people. There's nothing like an offended heart, a rejected heart. 
It's amazing how when you're rejected, you look for rejection everywhere. I'm not speaking from the Bible. I'm speaking from experience. And when you have a rejected heart, you begin to reject people before they have the opportunity to reject you because you just assume that rejection is coming in a moment. And without even realizing you're hurting people around you by rejecting them over and over and over again, being used by the enemy, and it's really because of the rejection in your own heart. There's nothing like a prideful heart that the enemy loves to use. and manip- Do not be a person that the enemy uses as a puppet to attack other people. Here's the thing, though. It's actually great news that we don't fight against people. We wrestle against spiritual forces. Here's why. Because if we fought against people, some of y'all would be out. I figured out from that first fight with Joshua Green that throwing hands was probably not my best option for living a successful life. So I decided to use the other gift that God gave me, mainly my speed, to avoid situations where I had to throw hands. Here's the problem. If you get into a fight with other people, sometimes you're going to get in with people that have more influence than you, that have more money than you that have more of a network than you. I told you I didn't grow up fighting and that, that kind of just wasn't my world. Some of you, you're like, Pastor, I can teach you a thing or two. <laughs> that, that's been my life, especially back in middle school and high school. And if you're familiar with that, sometimes you, 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 you were going off against one person not realizing that person had cousins. And the cousins got the phone call and the text message before it went down, and, and you thought you were good until everybody rolls up, and then all of a sudden you realize, you're, if we're fighting against flesh and blood, we're going to come up to some people that just have more resources than us. And there's absolutely no way that we can win that fight. That's why some people feel so discouraged and so depressed and so beaten down because you feel like you don't have an advocate. You feel like there's no one that's backing you. You feel like there's no one that's going to stand up for you. But when you understand this person that I'm looking at, they're not my adversary. They're not the one that I'm fighting. I'm actually fighting against forces of darkness, and I know how to win there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says this, I use God's mighty weapons. Not those made by men to knock down the devil's stronghold. If only you can understand that God has given me spiritual weapons that have the ability to defeat the enemy in front of me, you will find out that there is no battle you face that you can't win. I told this story before of my mother and my, my, my oldest sibling who was in the hospital and, and in a hospital that was wanting to do a surgery that they weren't equipped to do. My mom was literally there fighting for her child, and the doctor, I don't know what the doctor was caught up on. And you know, sometimes, and I'm not saying that there's doctors here they are like that, but sometimes it's like, no, no, this hospital is better than that hospital, and we could do it right here and all. And they're looking out for their own reputation more than the health of their patient. And to be honest with you, in that situation, my mother didn't really have the power or the authority to, to, to move her daughter. She was 18 and all this other kind of stuff. But she realized that if I sit here and argue and yell, hear me, some of y'all have given away too many pieces of your mind. I'm going to give you a piece. No, you don't, you don't have that much mind. Hold on to what you got. Stop giving pieces away. You're going to run out. And hear me, I'm, almost every message I preach, I'm preaching to myself. I'm, I'm not a physical fighter, but, but I am a whatever you call the other type of fighter that always got the last word and always know how to get you back and kick indoors and all that. And I, I'm, I'm just one of those people that, 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 that I, if I don't have a fight, I look for a fight. You got a problem? Cool, I'll fight it for you. Who, who said whatever about Sometimes we're so quick to get into it with people. When instead, we need to be quick to get into the presence of the Lord. And they say, God, you're able to bring a victory in this situation that no words, no attorneys can bring, but God, you can. People are not your enemy. The second thing you need to know is this, that your enemy is strategic. Your enemy is strategic. My, my wife hates violence. She hates boxing. She hates UFC, all that other good stuff. And, and I kind of, if you're anti-boxing and all that, God bless you. There's a connect group for people like you. But uh, I kind of like watching it with my wife, more so because of her reaction. Every time the person gets hit in the fight, it's as if she got hit. 
It's like, oh, whoa, she's blocking for him. And I'm just all, I got two entertainment sources right there. But we were watching this UFC fight, and, and, and it was these two individuals. And one of them, I could just tell before the bell rang that they were going to get knocked out. Because they were just too hyped, too excited. They're jumping around and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And as soon as that bell rings, they go running. Never run at your opponent. That's, that's a bad, you get a flying knee if you go running at your opponent. Well, sure enough, they were done in about 45 seconds. Because they didn't understand it's not just passion and excitement. It's, it's strategy i got to know what I'm up against. As Absalom is planning to, 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 to take out David, he brought in advisors. And, and here's what the advisors said. Hey, so we're not going to go during the day. We're going to go at night. Because yeah. they knew who they were dealing with. David, the giant slayer. You remember he killed a lion. He killed a bear. And he took out the uncircumcised Philistine. Uh, you don't want to come at that brother during the day. They said, Absalom, you, 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 you've been a prince your whole life. You ain't never seen war. <laughs> you don't need to fight your dad in the day. You need to come at night. Look what it says. It says, I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike only the king. You have to understand the attacks of your enemy. He is not going to come at you after 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on now. He's going to wait till you're exhausted. He's going to wait until you're weak, where you're, where you're knocked down and you're discouraged. He's going to wait until you're isolated. Well, you don't have people around you to encourage you, to build you up. That's honestly has been one of my greatest burdens through this pandemic because I know that as we've been locked in our houses, as we've been separated, the enemy has had a field day in people's lives. And I've just said this over and over and over again. For so many people, the pandemic was the least of your concerns because the poor, before the pandemic, there was a sickness. Before the pandemic, the marriage was struggling. Before the pandemic, the business wasn't good or whatever it may be. And you went in exhausted. And, and it's as this, this is where Pastor gets really honest. The, the, the first probably six weeks of this pandemic, I don't know if I have ever been more stressed and exhausted in my life. I was just running, 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 and moving forward. And, and, and this was actually the year that I was supposed to take four weeks off, take a sabbatical and kind of breathe. And it was like, get to Easter. And after Easter, then you can breathe. Well, yeah, <laughs> I sabbatical through a pandemic. There was no sabbatical. It was just, oh, my gosh, got to help this and do this and do that and do this and all that kind of stuff. And listen to me, when you're in the middle of a battle, it's not a time to take a nap. just a thought. But I can be honest and say the exhaustion that I felt, the discouragement, the fear. You ever been in a place where you're just like, I'm not normally a depressed person? Like, I'm just, an, I'm, I'm an optimist. I always see the bright side of things. It's always glass half full, not glass half empty. But you just feel yourself just, ugh. It's because the enemy knows when to come. It comes when you're exhausted. It comes when you're weak. Can I tell you one of the biggest times of attack in your life is after the greatest victory you've experienced. One of the biggest times of attack is after you just close that deal. After you just open that new territory. Because here's what you don't realize, that it took all your faith, all of your energy, all that you had to get that boulder up the hill. And you get it up the hill, you give it a little rocky, yeah! And then... That one nearly took me out. That's where the enemy comes tapping on your shoulder, saying, oh, you worked hard. Oh, you've been through a lot. I know you haven't touched alcohol in 12 years, but you earned this one. Let's celebrate. I, and it is in that moment where he knows that he has the best chance of taking you out. Another time that the enemy attacks, you need to understand that his strategy, the enemy attacks in infancy. 
what he doesn't want to deal with in maturity. Here's what the enemy knows. He says, if I can take it out before it's fully grown, it'll be a whole lot easier. The, the Bible is savage. And it's probably like that because people are jacked up. But as you read through scripture, when a new king would step into the throne who wasn't a child of the old king, the first thing that new king would do is he would execute all the princes. He didn't care whether they were babies, grown men, all the princes were done. Why? Because he wanted to take out in infancy what he didn't want to deal with in full maturity when they had the ability to gather an army and influence and take back. The enemy is the same way. He will try to take out an infancy what he doesn't want to deal with in maturity. You guys remember Moses? When Moses was born is when the king of Egypt said, hey, we are going to take every Hebrew boy two years and under and execute them, drown them, because the enemy knew that God was bringing a deliverer. And he was trying to take out in infancy what he didn't want to deal with in maturity. Remember when Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary? Herod decreed the exact same thing that every male child two years and older under be executed because he was trying to take out in infancy what he didn't want to deal with in maturity. For some of you, that explains your childhood. You look back and you're like, why in the world did I go through all that before I turned five? Why did I have to deal with this? Why did I have to deal with that? Why did I have to deal with this? Hear me. Because the enemy was trying to take out in infancy what he was afraid to deal with in maturity. By the way, that's why it's so important not to share the dreams of your heart with everybody. Some, 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 some of y'all got some big mouths. You, you, you like Joseph. God gives you a dream. God, God gives you a plan, a business idea. God, God shows you something. Hey, y'all, guess what the Lord is going to do in my life? I'm not saying don't tell anybody. But it's, it's like, so people were a little extra with newborn babies before the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, any of y'all want to visit somebody, you know, have a new baby, and, you know, maybe they've been home for a week or two, and you come like, oh, wash your hands. Got it. To the elbows. Okay, okay, all right. All right, I got this. All right, good deal. All right, can I? Oh, you want to hold her? That's why I came. Didn't really come to see you. They want to hold the child, okay. <laughs> all right, all right, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm good standing. No, sit down, sit down. Okay, okay, you're sitting now, okay. You still want to hold her. All right, all right. All right, so cup your hands like this, like this, like this, like that. Hold, hold the head, hold the head. I got three kids. I've done this a few times. <laughs> Whole time they got the baby like. <laughs> That's how you need to be careful with your dreams. That you have to be careful with a new identity that God's given you. Because the enemy will always attack in infancy what he doesn't want to deal with in full maturity. Some of you are just stepping into who God's called you to be. You're realizing that you're the head, not the tail. You're realizing that you're above, not beneath. You're realizing that you are a child of God, not a servant in the master's house. For the first time, you're realizing that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And there's a confidence that's coming on you. There's a shoulder straightening that's taking place. You got to understand, because you're new to this revelation, the enemy is going to try to send every failure, every reminder of your sin, every mistake he's going to try to bring up. Because he's trying to attack in infancy what he doesn't want to deal with in full maturity. Another time the enemy is going to attack is in the area of your greatest insecurity. When Moses was being sent back to Israel, and God says, hey, go, go tell them that I'm with you. And Moses' biggest issue was, who do I say that I am? And who do I say sent me? Because Moses' greatest insecurity 
was his identity. Because he was born a Hebrew, but he was raised an Egyptian. And because he had too much Egyptian in him, the Hebrews rejected him. And because he had too much Hebrew in him, the Egyptians rejected him. And his greatest insecurity was his identity. So when God says, hey, go as you, Moses said, I'm not good enough. I need a little bit more clout than just I am the one. Some of you, your greatest insecurity, your greatest fight, your greatest stronghold has been the greatest inlet of the enemy into your life. I love what Paul said. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he said to me, my grace is enough for you because God's power is made perfect in the weakest areas of your life. <laughs> Paul's a wild man. He said, so I will gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. Just leave the verse up. Let's just pause there for a second. Can you please stop saying what you're not good at as if that was your handicap? I'm really not a people's person. Leave the verse up. Can I tell you what's great about people that aren't people persons? You're observant. And you're discerning. You, you take the verse down. I'm, I'm moving on. I'll come back to it. Come on now. I'm going to have some fun. Have some fun. Y'all people, people, y'all need some discernment. Y'all be like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you. You can see We're going to be besties. Like, it's going to be so good. You don't know that person got a knife in their back. Be like, okay, just go ahead. Turn around real quick. <laughs> some of y'all that are not people, people, some of the, hey, you're like, hey. How's it going? I'm good. <laughs> so y'all know I'm not from the South, right? So I went down uh, to New Orleans uh, uh, probably about 10 plus years ago. And, and I'm walking through the streets of New Orleans. It's my first time like in the South South. So I'm walking down the street. And so we're like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> y'all, I'm not from Columbia. I'm from Baltimore, okay? Why are you talking to me? Hey, good to see you. Checking my wallet, make sure my phone's still there. I mean, I'm just, that's how I was raised. You've been told your whole life that you're not a people's person. You're not attractional. You're not charismatic. Not realizing that that's actually giving you discernment. And you're going to be able to better see people, not to judge them, but to find out how to serve them, how to bring them close. How, you actually, non-people people can build great people around you. But the problem is you've believed the lie that that's your handicap, that's your crutch. Not realizing that in your weakness is where God finds his greatest. Bring that verse back up. He said, my weakness so that Christ's power can rest on me, therefore... I'm all right. Come on, just prophesy to yourself. Somebody say, I'm all right. Come on, say it louder. Somebody say, I'm all right. I'm all right with weaknesses. If somebody can get that, you don't have to be perfect to be used by God. Said, I'm all right with my weaknesses, insults, disasters, harassments, <laughs> and stressful situations. Come on now, just let me say, I'm all right. right. We're stressful situations. Come on, prophesy over your life because you're lying right now. Somebody say, I'm all right. right. We're stressful situations for the sake of Christ. Not drama you bring on yourself. No, no. (laughs) We ain't talking about that. You cussed your boss out, now you're unemployed. That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) For Christ's sake. (laughs) Because when I'm weak, And I'm strong. When I'm weak, when I don't know what to do, God, my eyes are on you because that's where my strength comes from. Last thing is this, write this down. Things you got to know about your enemy. You got to know that people aren't your enemy. 
You got to know that your enemy's strategic. He's going to look for that insecurity. He's going to look for that weakness. He's going to look for when you're exhausted, when you have a dream in infancy. But the most important thing to know about your enemy is that your enemy is defeated. You have to know that the adversary you're fighting is already defeated. Every fight that you're in, hear me. You're fighting for your health, for your mental health. You're fighting for your family, for your business, for your religion. Any fight that you're in, you're fighting from a position of victory. You're not fighting for victory. So in a boxing match, they'll have certain fights that are called non-title fights. So a champion, he'll have his welterweight championship or, 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 or whatever it may be. He'll have his belt. But here's what they'll say. The belt is not on the line this fight. It's almost like it's an exhibition fight because you're not on. And, and here's usually when they don't put the belt out, when the adversary that they're fighting hasn't put in enough work to get a shot at the belt. You're too much of a rookie. You're, you're, you don't have the experience. Honestly, I'm bored, and I have a little bit of time until I get a real fight, so I'll fight you. But just in case you catch me with the hook, the belt is not on the line. We're going to leave the belt in the locker room. We ain't bringing that out. They got nothing to do with you. Uh, but with, you have to understand that when you're fighting the enemy, the belt's not on the line. Because the belt has already been secured by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are dealing with a defeated flow. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning. By the way, Satan, oh, I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to have fun. Satan was not defeated on the cross. Talk, can, can you preach for a second? Somebody say, Preach. His power over you was canceled on the cross, but he was powerless from the beginning of time. Because before the earth was even created, Satan rose up in pride. And by the way, just for a little bit of theological reference, there never has been and there never will be a battle in heaven. There was no battle. What happened, Satan was the lead uh, angel, a worshiper in heaven, and, and he had a thought. Like, it wasn't even a full thought. It was just a little bit of thought. Maybe I'm more powerful than... God never called any angels. No swords were drawn. No words were exchanged. He had a thought. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I was there when it happened. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Look, I have given you authority to crush his head. Snakes and scorpions under feet. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. You know why Jesus said this to his disciples? Because they were too excited about the victory they had just won. Jesus sent the disciples off in twos, and, and it says as they went off that they healed the sick, that they raised the dead, that they cast out demons, and they came back, and they said, Jesus, you would not believe it. We prayed for somebody, and they were healed. Can I give you Jesus' response when we say, I prayed for somebody, and they were healed? Jesus was like, duh. What did you think was going to happen? They're going to stay sick? Because for the disciples, they had only seen Jesus do miracles. They hadn't yet caught the revelation that they had access to that same power for all my theologians before the cross. Figure that one out. And they said, Jesus, we healed the sick. We cast out demons, all this other kind of stuff. Jesus was like, so? You're surprised that you defeated a defeated foe? That's like beating the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Sorry. Everybody beats the Browns. That's what Jesus was saying. It's like a college team. Come on now. He was saying, listen, don't be surprised that you have more power than the enemy. He's defeated. And by the way, with him, cancer's defeated. And diabetes defeated. And poverty's defeated. And he said, you got to understand you have the victory. I, I was praying over you this week, you Destiny Church. And God gave me a word for your life, 
I, I want to read two quick verses for you. It says this, and, and when, when, when they finally got to fighting Absalom, so David said, okay, we, we're going to be about it. We're going to be about it. I didn't start it, but I'm going to finish it. So they get ready to go fight against Absalom. And the king said to the people, I will surely go out with you myself. But the people answered and said, no, you're not going to go out in this battle. For if we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if we half, if half of us die, will they care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us now. You are now, for you are now more help to us in the city. I'm hooked on phonics, I promise you. Here's a word that God told me to tell you. The battle you're facing right now is not for you to fight. Because if you fight the battle that's in front of you right now, you're going to take your attention off of what God's called you to build. And taking your, you, you may be building your marriage right now, and all of a sudden finances becomes an issue. You may be investing in a child or a business or your faith or what, and some distress. God says, don't, don't, no, 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 no. He's like, but, but it's attack. What should, let him fight it for you. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17, it says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. The battle that you're facing right now, you're not going to have to fight in your own strength because God has sent his angels on your behalf don't you worry about that person. Don't you worry about that situation. You stay focused on what God has called you to focus on. Stay focused on what God's called you to focus on. And he's going to take care of the rest. So they go out and they fight Absalom. I just love this. <laughs> Y'all love God's word. So they go out to fight Absalom, and Absalom's on his horse, and he's riding. They're going into battle, and David's home wondering what's happening. First night says, then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode a mule. And the mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree. And his head, his hair got caught in a tree. So here's Absalom hanging, I love God's word, between heaven and earth. And the mule which was under him went out. You got to read this on your own time. So Absalom was a diva. Like, he was pretty. Beware of men that are pretty. That preach right there. You can be good looking, you just can't be pretty. This guy was pretty. He was so pretty. <laughs> the Bible says that Absalom had beautiful flowing hair. It says he was very charismatic. Everybody liked him. It was actually his charisma that he got people to turn their attention from his father, the king, onto himself. And then when it came down to the battle, the exact thing he used to manipulate people was the exact same thing that got him caught up. And the Bible says that he was hanging between heaven and earth. I didn't want to read the part about him getting killed because I know there's kids in the room. But go on, read the best of the story. It's beautiful. <laughs> Absalom lost because his hair was too long or because his pride was too big. Somebody says, hanging between heaven and earth. 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 Where does spiritual warfare happen? doesn't happen in the natural, and they don't have access to heaven, so it must be somewhere between heaven and earth. The battle that you're facing right now, victory is going to be found between heaven and earth. It's not going to be found by you arguing with somebody, suing somebody, having the last word. That's not how it's going to be won. And God's not even worried about it because he's already seen the end of it. It's going to happen when you realize that God is fighting my battles, that he has dispatched his angels on my behalf. The more that I praise, the more that I worship, the more that I pray, the more that I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything that I'm facing, he is, somebody say, I've got the victory. He said, no, 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 you're not fighting from defeat. You're fighting from victory. And by the way, don't rejoice because you got your job back, because your boss got fired, because your mother-in-law loves you now, or whatever battle you were facing. He said, rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. Because when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you win the most difficult battle a human can ever face. 
That's the battle over death. If you win that one, <laughs> there's nothing you can lose. There's nothing, nothing you can lose. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that you're the one that fights our battles for us. God, I pray in this moment that you give us eyes to see that that person in front of us is not our problem. We're not fighting people. We're fighting the enemy, and he's already defeated. So really, we have nothing to worry about. So God, I pray that you give us strength while we wait. Give us strength while we're stressed. Give us strength while we don't feel adequate for the battle we're facing. God, I speak victory over every single person under the sound of my voice. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, you can pray this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. My only question to you today before we end is, is your name written in heaven? <laughs> I sure hope it is, Pastor, but I don't really know. How do I get my name written in heaven? It's quite simple. You stop battling with God. You see, our life is a kingdom, and there's a throne in our heart. There's only one person that can sit on the throne. It's either you or it's him. For so many of us, we're like Absalom. We're fighting against our father who's the king. We haven't given him the rightful throne in our lives. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means that Jesus is the Lord, the king of your life. If you're here, if you're watching online, you say, no, I'm on my throne. I'm calling the shots. I've never, never given my life to anyone. Now's your moment. Now's the time to let your creator, the one who knows you, the one who loves you, say, I give you full authority in my life. If that's you right where you are, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, take your rightful place in my life. Be my king, be my Lord, be my savior. Thank you for dying on the cross. So all my mistakes, all my sin can be erased. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.